Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in to the PHNX Suns postgame show brought to you by the DraftKings Sportsbook app, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts and leave us a five-star review. Well, the Suns were close to getting this one back and walking away with a W. After a big three by Jay Crowder, the Suns were able to get the rebound, but they don't call a timeout, and then Jay turns it over ultimately leading to their demise. The Jazz take this one, 118 to 114. Look, uh, we, we've we got Lindsay uh, acting like the Suns, uh, forgetting they have a timeout with her forgetting her microphone right before for this. But unlike the Suns, she pulls it off with just seconds to go uh, and, and getting the microphone in there. It was Look, a struggle bus. I forgot it was, needed to be in my lap. <laughs> it's, it's a weird Sunday afternoon with a weird game. I don't blame you, Lindsay. Uh, how how are you? Let's let's uh, you know what today is a day that we do a mental check in with everybody. I'm going to start with you, Lindsay. How are you after that game? I'm I'm a smidge more concerned than I was after Friday's game. Um, really? Yeah, only because okay, I guess maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> I do think the Suns absolutely could have won this game. If the Suns had campaign or Chris Paul, they 100% would have won this game. There were some things that I liked about this one far better than um, Friday night's game, of course. But I don't know if it's just that they're kind of in their own heads right now because of all the injuries and having to figure it out on the fly. Or if it's just kind of one of those things where you started the – back half of the season after the all-star game on a back-to-back you didn't really have time to go through things in practice and figure this out knowing that it was going to be kind of a hard road ahead because of the injuries that this team is dealing with so I guess like initially a little bit of concern but now that I'm like actually talking and thinking through it maybe not so much how are you feeling the other night was more concerning to me because it was a worse team it was a worse loss today was sloppy at times right but you saw this phoenix suns team play their kind of offense at times uh at at times they they played solid defense there were just lapses and whenever you get outscored 43 to 11 in bench points there is not a chance in hell you're going to win a basketball game easily right Mm -hmm. and first off Monty Williams to blame for not calling that timeout or having his team prepared to call that timeout if they got in a situation where they were going to throw away the ball. And let's be honest, Jay Crowder did not seem to know what he was going to do with that basketball and almost hit Monty in the head with it. I still don't know how he threw that pass so poorly. Monty should have had his guys ready to call that timeout, especially after you saved it by winning that challenge, by losing that challenge, eh, you know, in that weird situation. But yeah, I mean, I'm with you at least at the fact that you cannot blame Jay necessarily solely, at least for that situation there at the end. Yeah. Look, and and Tim saying Monty tried to call timeout. Okay. But he has to have his, his guys on the court ready to call that timeout too. Right. Mm -hmm. And Jay, should have known that. And if Jay stops and calls timeout, you're not leaving it to one of the refs seeing Monty trying to call timeout uh, in the chaos of trying to bring that ball up. So I still think 
I, it, he should have had his guys prepared in that situation, right? Mm -hmm. uh, again, though, they they come back, they make they make a comeback push without CP3. They put themselves in a position to get a shot where that timeout actually mattered. That's why I feel better today than I did the other night. But uh, but yeah, that bench that's problematic, and it's time uh, you know, to to try to figure out these things. Money needs to take a step back. Go in the big picture. It's not a huge deal to lose two in a row, but I need to figure out how to fix what has been broken in these two games, and mm -hmm. the bench is a big part of that. Yeah. So real quick, uh, taboos tidbits. Shout out for this to this for the super chat. We appreciate you. They said this show's theme music is fire. Love the beat selection as a DJ. Much love, PHMX. We appreciate you and that. Thank you. And then Manny said, Monty needs to cut it out with this point book stuff. Yes, I know campaign is out, but you got Holiday for a reason. He needs to start to preserve Devin and let Cam Johnson give the bench a punch. Espo, we'll start with your thoughts. What do you think about this? Well, first out. First off, shout out to the man, Saul Bookman, who's not here. He's on uh, assignment this week, but he's the man that picks the beats. I'm not going to take any <laughs> any credit for that. I would have us play music. He did music. send them to us to ask our opinions, look, and I look, think we I, all I'm collectively agree. <laughs> I'm not going to take any credit. We've been playing music that people would be like, what? Is this like some weird-ass show going on? I'm not the guy to pick the like, beats. When was this music made? Yeah, not, not a shock that I wasn't the one that selected it, but... <laughs> I agree with what Manny's saying in, in theory. I, I get it. Like, point book hasn't gotten you the wins these last two games. But Devin Booker has done very solid work being put in that position. It's not ideal, but he can't play much better than he has in this. He finishes with 30 points, 7 assists, 7 rebounds tonight, and I believe a couple steals, uh, you know, as well in there. I don't yeah, blame too. Book's play, right? Uh, but the whole situation by moving him to point guard and putting Cam in the starting lineup just messes so much with that bench. You have no offensive firepower. Mm -hmm. uh, it's it's just it's problematic, right? But do you want more Alfred Payton? It's like he's in a he's he's in a sh shitty situation. It's Let's be honest. Until campaign comes back. This is a no win for Monty Williams in trying to decide how to juggle these lineups, right? Mm -hmm. If you if you put Aaron Holiday in the starting lineup, you have to play Alfred Payton uh, at some point. Like you can stagger minutes as much as you want, but at some point, either Book's playing point guard or Alfred Payton's playing minutes. And I'd rather have Devin Booker on the ball than Alfred Payton being the guy. Well, and then you have to think too. Okay, if you move Aaron Holiday to the starting unit in this interim period, it takes away the potential for him to develop some chemistry with that bench unit because the minute campaign comes back, he's going to be in the starting five one in theory, right? At least you never know what Monty and the, the coaching staff decide to do, but in theory campaign would be your starting point guard. Aaron Holiday would be your backup point guard. Do you want to lose the opportunity over the next handful of games however long it takes for campaign to come back from that injury to allow Aaron to develop that chemistry with the guys on the bench I guess then at the same time though you're like well he's losing he's not developing chemistry with Cam Johnson who is one of the biggest offensive firepowers off of the bench it's just such a mess it's almost you almost question somebody mentioned it in the chat and I don't remember who, who I'm so sorry um just put Alfred Tim said it. Said it. I can't believe I'm saying this, but start Alfred Payton. Play him only the first five minutes of each half. Bring Cam Johnson off the bench again. Then you have the offensive firepower from Cam Johnson. You allow Aaron Holiday to continue to develop with that second unit, including Cam Johnson. Maybe that is an option, but then again, you're relying on Alfred Payton in minutes where you have tried to go to him before, and you just see it doesn't work either. Well, and it's, can a, you it's get a tough situation to be in. Well, yeah, can can in that situation, can Alfred Payton get Devin Booker the ball? Because that's the only reason you don't want point book is because you want somebody else to be able to to facilitate and get Devin Booker the ball. 
But if Alfred Payton's just going to be a turnover, then what is the point in that? Like this is again, it's not an easy situation no. for for Monty Williams to be in. And the irony is, you thought that they fixed this problem. Some people are like, "Why'd you even deal for Aaron Holiday?" This is why you've dealt for Aaron Holiday, but you're still in a bad position when your top two point guards aren't out there. It, any team would struggle in this situation and they're playing Utah, who is one of the the, the top four teams in the West uh, undisputed in that and has been one of the top teams in the West for the last few years. Mm -hmm. So this is, this is not an easy situation in, in any way, shape or form for Monty Williams to try to figure out. And it wouldn't be for any team. You take the top two point guards off of any team in the NBA and I'm not sure they play even as well as the Suns did today. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I There's no disputing that. If you take away a team's point guard, both your first, second, and then Friday night, your third, of course it's going to be a tough outing for you. But and the Utah Jazz came in here. They were angry. They, they had revenge on their mind. The Suns have been whooping up on them for a while now. They wanted to win this game, and they knew that it was a better opportunity for them to potentially win this game. They came out with a little bit of extra energy and a little bit of vengeance behind their play tonight. And so it's not surprising that they were able to beat the Suns with how much they're dealing with injuries and just the situation they're in and the fact that the Utah Jazz are a really good team. So we got to give them a little bit of credit, but the silver lining in all of this, which you've talked about this already is, is that we were right there. Like we were very close with a very good team, even though the Suns were shorthanded. So the more reps we get, the more they kind of smooth out this whole situation. It's looking to be a more positive down the road. I would yeah. hope. Well, here, to put this in perspective, imagine the Utah Jazz today without Mike Conley and Jordan Clarkson. Mm -hmm. I mean, <laughs> this is a much different game if Utah doesn't have those two guys. And that's what the equivalent, uh, and even more so probably for the Suns with CP3 and C campaign out. So it sounds like campaign's getting closer, but then again, he's coming back for the first time since January. He's it's been gonna on take the a show. Minute. It's going to, yeah, it's going to take a little while. It may help fix some of the rotational issues, but we don't know what campaign we're going to get at that point. We probably mm -hmm. should go to the bar. Yeah, let's go to the bar. I feel like some Sunday afternoon drinks wouldn't hurt anybody right now. Ah, Jordan Clarkson. That's what we're <laughs> drinking today. Man, that guy, he was just killing us tonight. I was like, can you stop, please, sir? My every, goodness. Every time you Every time you turned your head, he had an open three or he's getting to the bucket. I mean, he finishes the game here with uh, 22 points on 10 of 17 shooting, added in five rebounds, had three assists. Mm -hmm. I mean, the only thing he didn't do was shoot the three great. He was two of seven from beyond the arc. But, man, that guy, uh, he's instant offense. There was a reason why he was the sixth man of the year uh, last year. And, unfortunately, Phoenix fans got a front row seat for it on this uh, Sunday afternoon. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, uh, Steve in the chat said any campaign is a huge improvement. And I think he is correct because we were a little bit talking to him, you know, we don't know exactly how long it's going to take Cam to kind of figure things out or what type of Cam we're going to get back. But at this point, Steve, you're right. Any campaign is a huge improvement for this team. Just having your one or two point guard out there is going to at the very least make everyone feel more comfortable a little more calm bring some stability to this team that right now is just kind of just trying to figure it out it's just a mess but well, they're and, working and, through it and he's an emotional boost right mm -hmm. he's a guy that yeah he's got a lot of energy yeah. yeah and and this team uh, at times over the last uh, three games has looked like it, it's needed an injection of that at times, just to, just to get their heads on straight, have that kind of play that cam would bring where, where he just gets fired up himself. He gets that entire team fired up and they lock in, uh, in that it's just, they've missed that. And you can stagger him again with book at times and try to help that bench out as well. You just, you need him back to, mm -hmm. to try to get some semblance of, you know, normalcy back with this team. 
reduce reduce the amount of minutes Devin is playing each night. Forty here tonight. Like we we really yeah, but still, Espo, still. I'm sorry. Like, I get it. He had a long you know off season. Played a lot of basketball. But if you can't turn to him to play 40 minutes uh, for for a handful of weeks to try to help you out, or you know, 35 to 40, I'm sorry. Like he should but be leading able up to, to the that. playoffs. Like what? I, I, yeah, you can turn to him, but then you're risking something leading into the playoffs. Look, I, I get it, and we said you can drop some games, right? You can take the time here, and, and that's what you did in the first three quarters of the season by getting a six and a half game lead in the West uh, and, and over the entire league, uh, you know, having that one seed, you can play around a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. You can get some rest for guys, but you need, you need to make sure you don't blow through that lead here too early. So let Devin Booker play 40, you know, 35, 40 minutes uh, over the next uh, handful of games Try to make sure that a two-game losing streak doesn't become a three, four, five-game losing streak, and you blow that lead uh, you have in the West right away with CP3 out. I, that's that's my biggest fear. So just make sure you don't turn this into a longer losing streak. Let Devin Booker do what he needs to do to ensure sure that. I don't care how many minutes it is. I don't care if he's playing point or shooting guard. Just make sure that this doesn't snowball because that's when it's problematic for this team. All right. We've got Gerald Borgay joining us now from the Footprint Center. Gerald, how are you feeling tonight? I'm not worried at all. I, I know <laughs> that the inclination is to be concerned about the state of the team. You know, obviously they're missing two key players. And, you know, this is the first time they've lost back-to-back games since December 27th. So it's been a while. But at the same time, like, this is a three games and four nights stretch, or as Monty called it, a three games and three and a half stretch because today's game was an early game. So they didn't get a shoot around today. They didn't get a chance to practice yesterday because it was off the back-to-back, which he called it humorous that they even had a back-to-back to start, you know, coming out of the all-star break. That is a little bit odd. I'm not that concerned about it. You know, I, I am a little bit concerned about the heavy minutes that Book is playing. But like Espo was saying, you know, this is kind of a big stretch where you can throw guys in the fire. They're off until Wednesday now, so they have some time to recuperate. And, you know, the next couple of games, they got the Blazers and the Knicks. Those are very winnable games at home. Um, hopefully you'll have campaign back by then. Hopefully Aaron Holiday won't be dealing with the soreness that was bothering him a little bit today. Um, so I'm not that concerned about it. They're still up five and a half games. They'll be up five games if the Warriors win over the Mavs tonight, which is not guaranteed. I think Clay Thompson's missing that game. Um, so yeah, you don't want to blow through a big lead that you have early on, but I really do think, you know, this was a good jazz team that they lost to today and they lost to them without their first or their second string point guard. Um, so I'm not too concerned about it. By, by the way, to clarify something, easy in the chat says, dumbest thing I've ever heard playing 40 minutes now to the playoffs is not a good idea. That is not what I said Devin Booker should do. <laughs> I said over the next few weeks, even the next week, just to ensure that this doesn't snowball into a larger losing streak. But the second that campaign comes back, I, you know, that, that changes the dynamic here. But you need Devin Booker right now as much as anybody on this roster. So that was the point there. But, Gerald, uh, I, I have to ask you. Uh, you and I, I are on – and we haven't talked about DA yet. You and I seem to be on, on a little bit of uh, different sides on this. I watched tonight. Uh, I saw a, a great first half. He dis the he didn't disappear. The touches disappear in the second. He gets one shot in the third and hardly any touches. I get that the offense is built in a certain way. I don't believe that the defense was fully the reason why he didn't get those looks in the third. And and then the the re- this is long winded. I get it, Gerald, and I apologize. But then then the rebounding as well. You had talked about on Twitter. You know he has he had one rebound through eleven minutes. Isn't part of that because he's doing so much on the defensive end as well, and that 
he's switching. He has to do these things as the leader puts him out of position at times as well because or he's boxing out one of the two bigs down there. Let's talk DA, Gerald. Yeah, let's say. talk DA. So Because there's <laughs> a lot of uh, conflicting viewpoints on DA's performance today, and I thought it was a very weird DeAndre Aiden game because in the first half he had it rolling. I think he had 17 points at halftime. He was, I think it was nine of 11 from the floor and he had it rolling. He also only had three rebounds at halftime. And part of that is because of the sun switching defense, what the jazz were doing as far as getting him matched up on ball handlers further away from the basket. And so that was leaving, you know, Mikhail Bridges, Jay Crowder, Cam Johnson to try and fend for themselves on the board. So part of that's by design by what the jazz were doing. Part of that's by design, what the sun's defense was doing. However, he also was not boxing out a couple of times on Hassan Whiteside and Rudy Gobert. And that's the reason for some of those rebounds. And I really do think that that kind of traces back to how involved he is on offense, because when he is getting a lot of touches, when he is carrying a heavier load on offense, it's harder to do that on both sides of the floor. So if anything, I think it might be the opposite where in the second half, his lack of touches was part of the reason why he got more rebounds was part of the reason why he was a little bit better defensively. I think the ball handlers of the jazz, kind of got past him on a couple of possessions late. Um, you know, Jordan Clarkson had that ridiculous floating running layup that he hit. That was just a tough shot. Um, I do agree with you. I, I think there are some instances where they could have gotten DA the ball a little bit more, but he also did fumble some touches. He got some touches where he kicked it back out to three, the wide open threes that the Suns just missed. And, you know, you look at the offense in the second half, they didn't have problems scoring. They had 29 points in the third, 25 in the second or in the fourth. That should be enough to get the job done. But when you're giving up 38 points on the other end of the floor, that's where it's more of a concern. So I, I get that people want to talk about DA's touches and whatnot, but I really don't think it was central to why they lost tonight. I think defensively, Monty said this after the game, that they gave up a lot of uncharacteristic threes and rotations that they normally are on top of. I asked him if that was part of you know not having a practice or shoot around for the last two days. It was part of missing Chris Paul. He said it's a combination of things, but it's something that they just, you know, we have to deal with it. it. It doesn't matter what the reason was. We have to fix those reasons and be better defensively because they gave up a 42-point third quarter the other night, and then they gave up a 38-point quarter here tonight. Gerald, I came in thinking you and I were going to fight, and then you know, <laughs> so well, and I go, okay, I get it. Gerald's really good at talking people off the ledge. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. <laughs> um, but I do have a follow-up on that one. Taboo Tidbit said, I don't think Book FDA 100%. When Book has it going, he wants the ball. I'm not saying Book is selfish, but when DA has it going, he can look for him more. But also, DA has to demand the ball. I've heard a few people recently kind of bring up this kind of trust situation and comment. What are your thoughts on this, Gerald? You know, I, I don't think it's a matter of not trusting DA. I think it's a matter of just the way that DA creates most of his offense. You know, we've talked about this in the past that Feeding D.A. the ball in the mid-range or the post is only going to get you so far with an offensive skill set. Like, he is best and most efficient when he's diving hard, setting good screens. And, and we saw that a couple of times tonight. D.A. or Booker found D.A. for that nice lob for the alley-oop dunk there against Hassan Whiteside. He miscommunicated, and D.A. was wide open for the dunk. I think D.A. had it going from the mid-range, so that's a case where maybe you consider getting him a, a few more touches. But they did get him a couple of touches. You know, Whiteside contested one of his – uh, I think it was in the fourth quarter, he shot a mid-range shot, contested it well. D.A. missed it. There were a couple passes that D.A. just bobbled where he might have had a good look on a, on a turnaround hook or something like that. So it, it's kind of a matter of just getting him his spots where he's most efficient. A lot of times that's around the basket with the hook shot or in the mid-range. Um, and it just kind of depends on how the defense is, is playing you. I thought the Suns' offense generated some good looks, and I think Booker trusts D.A., but I think it's just a fundamental difference between how he and some of the wings create their offense versus Aiton's offense. Yeah, and I think in the fourth, you saw that where on the pick and roll, Book came down, you know, and uh, D.A. came down the lane and Book made a great pass. D.A. just uh, just didn't get a handle on it. I don't think it's a trust. I, I agree with you, Gerald. I don't think it's a trust issue. I just think sometimes, uh, you know, it's just not there or D.A doesn't make the right play. And that was the case there in the fourth, unfortunately. Right. And it, it's also a case of just, you know, the Jazz can be a good defensive team. They've been better in the past, but they, they can do some things that can throw a wrench in the works. And the Suns are not a perfect offensive team as much as we, you know, are used to just pristine execution on that end. 
especially when you're missing Chris Paul and Devin Booker's playing point guard, there are going to be some hiccups. And I think this is kind of a trial by fire period where Monty said it after the game. We're learning a lot about our team. We're learning a lot about how much we value Chris and Cam and what our other ball handlers bring to the table. So this is only this is something that's going to make them stronger in the long run, especially if Chris Paul is able to come back without any complications. We'll let you get back to, to the media room real quick. But one last one for you. Did Monty talk at all about potential lineup changes to try to help the bench that was anemic, uh, you know, losing out on the bench points 43 to 11? Yeah, he didn't say anything about that. Um, it is probably something that we'll ask as we get closer to Wednesday and maybe find out more about campaign's availability because it does seem like he's getting close to a return. We don't know logistics or if he's day-to-day or anything like that yet. It could be something to consider, especially because without Cam Johnson in that bench unit, like tonight was awful. That was really bad. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. And did, did Monty apologize for not calling the timeout? He did say that was on him. Okay. He said he was – I think he was trying to call a timeout. If you, if you, I think someone posted the film, and it looked like he was after they kicked it to Cam Johnson and the play wasn't going anywhere. Um, so it was one of those things where he probably should have called it sooner, but at the same time, you understand the decision not to call that timeout because if you're doing an out-of-bounds sideline play, that gives the Jazz a chance to foul. So it also makes sense that they kind of wanted to push the ball a little bit. Yeah, he should have had these guys prepared to call that timeout, though, if they didn't know where they yeah. were going with it. It was pretty clear that Jay didn't in that situation. Uh, Gerald, it sounds like the ladies are cheering there for you, so we'll, we'll let you get back to it. They're loving my commentary. What can I say? I don't know. <laughs> we'll go with that, Gerald. We'll Bye, Gerald. Bye, guys. That was pretty loud. They, all those kids, is it Kids Day or something over there? Uh, I thought it was Teeny Bopper day. day. I thought he was like a Tiger Beat, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, cover model there, getting all those cheers from uh, from the crowd there. But uh, look, at least at least Monty owned it because mm-hmm. that was that was a rough final ten seconds there. I mean, it, yeah, I, still I think it's know. more disappointing because we were this close. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the Suns could have, in theory. Like just just got the W on this one, but that just that was the nail in the coffin for them. Unfortunately, yeah, I don't. I don't know that. Uh, I don't know that uh, that Jay realized that that wasn't a player uh, that he threw it to uh, because <laughs> Monty was wearing the black and orange pullover, and it looked like one of those. He just caught something out of the corner of his eye and just chucked it. So Maybe Monty needs to plan his outfits a little bit, a little bit better, like wear something completely different than whatever jersey the team is wearing that night. Wear teal, Monty. Oh, (laughs) never mind. Anyways. (laughs) Uh, Well, we've been talking about DeAndre Ayton a lot, so let's just go right into it. Uh, It's time to take your shot, presented by Arizona Department of Health Services. COVID-19 vaccines are free for everyone five and older, those 12 and older are also now eligible for a booster. Visit azhealth.gov for a location near you. Look, and it, when you looked at that first half, uh, DeAndre Ayton had a fantastic first half. I mean, he hit that three. He was hitting mid-range jumpers. He took his shot, and he took it effectively. And the fact that they wound up not going to him, and here is this beautiful, beautiful play to DA for this uh, this three. You know, look at that. It's just a beautiful. We didn't see him make it, but I promise you he did. It, you know, but uh, so uh, DA just getting his shots, finding his spots on the court in that first half. It was a thing of beauty. I get it. Rebounding, you can complain about that, but that was one of the more efficient offensive first halves we've seen from DeAndre. And I wish they just got him more than one shot in mm-hmm. that third quarter. So. Yeah, and that three-point bucket early on in this game, uh, knocking that one down, allowed him to, for the first time in his career, hit threes in back-to-back games. So shout-out to the big fella for that one. Once again, COVID-19 vaccines are free for everyone five and older. Those 12 and older are also now eligible for a booster. Visit azhealth.gov for a location near you. Espa, do you think he should shoot more? More threes? You know, if he keeps making them, uh, why not? I mean, if he's open, I don't want to see him forced shooting 
threes when he's got a defender on him. I don't need to see that. But if he's open and they hit him at the top of the key, what's that? What that's going to do is it's going to mean the defender's going to have to keep himself honest on him in the future, which should open up other things in the offense for his teammates. And if they keep sliding back and he takes those and makes them, I mean, he's made four on the year. I think he should. I don't see as long as it doesn't become a crutch. Like we've mm-hmm. seen some big men who start feeling themselves a little too much. And all of a sudden they think they're Mikhail or Cam and they're pulling <laughs> up, uh, you know, they're on the break. I don't ever need to see DA do that. But in the kind of spots that he's hit the last two games where he's open, take it. I mean, make that defense respect that shot. It's just going to help develop his game even further. And if he wants the bag, he's going to have to show he can do things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, uh, that's what you need is, is DA diversifying what his offense can be. Yeah. I would love to see it. I feel like, and he's talked about this throughout his whole entire career. He wants to do that more. And I think that kind of is just a little boost of a boost of energy for him and maybe a confidence boost as well when those do go in. So I wouldn't be mad if he, uh, put up a couple more of those throughout the season. It drives me nuts. And and again, this isn't this isn't about Gerald. Let me make that clear. I don't want it to sound like uh, I'm ripping on Gerald, but it drives me nuts that a guy can have the big first half like he did with 19 points. Then he can have a 23 and seven uh, in a game, and somehow he's still the focus of ire from from certain Suns fans and. Just somehow a lot of things get pinned on him. He did that. He had to play, be the anchor of the defense. There was this great uh, NBA, uh, at NBA tweeted it out, this clip of him mic'd up, talking on defense, getting his teammates in position where they needed to be. He has to guard Hassan Whiteside and, and Rudy Gobert at different times in this game. Like, this is the kind of game we should praise DA. And I get it, the other night, was a giant stinker, right? <laughs> like that, he he was not good the other night. But in a game like this, you have to go, this is why you drafted DeAndre Ayton, to play games like this, to have outings like this, to be a guy that, that can help anchor the offense when they need it, play solid defense. And he's falling into that Amari Stoudemire category back in the day where Amari would do things where where we just kind of got numb to it and it was nitpicking. It was the defense wasn't good enough. The rebounding wasn't enough. Instead of appreciating the good nights that, that you got to witness him play. And tonight was one of those from DeAndre. If you can't praise him, I you know, or the old saying, if you if you can't adapt him, then you gotta add him if you're gonna talk shit about him, right? Like it's give me some praise for DeAndre Ayton on a night like tonight. Please don't at DeAndre and with any mean comments. <laughs> I, I don't support that. I'm just throwing that one out there. I'm just saying, <laughs> you know what? I'm just if saying. you're going to say it, have some cojones to say it straight to yeah, the guy. Yeah, but not on know? social media. Like, show up to a player event or something like that and have that conversation. I'm not, no, I'm not, I, I'm not saying go confront the man face to face. I think that's, I think that's worse there, right, right, Lindsay? I think they're all bad. I feel like, I feel like you should not say you can say whatever you want. I don't think you should at them. That's all hey, I'm poor, saying. Poor DA is going to be sitting at dinner and they're going to go up. Lindsay Smith told me to come up and tell you to your face that you suck. No, I'm, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's tough with social media when we're talking about athletes or celebrities, right? Because you can at them and usually the assumption is they're not going to see it. But a lot of times I feel like they do actually see some of it. And the last thing we need to do is think that we are, quote unquote, maybe encouraging or tough love towards some of these guys when in actuality, it's just a little mean. I, I'm 100% like, do not at people. Like, it's just not, not cool. Um, also, just, I don't know. Anyway, but I do think the biggest thing with DeAndre Ayton is that it's a tough situation because he was drafted first, right? He's a number one overall pick. The expectations for him are far higher than majority of players across the league because of that specifically, and especially here in Phoenix, because 
like getting a number one overall pick was a big deal. You want that player to be a complete game changer for you. And I'm not saying that DeAndre is not, but I think it opens the door for nitpicking even further. Like Saul, I'm sure Saul is just kicking himself for not being able to join us on the show because early on he was in the comments saying, uh, you know, Devin is afforded the opportunity to make errors or bad shots offensively. DeAndre Ayton is not. He's expected to be perfect. You know what I mean? And I do think, I do think DeAndre's the standards we hold DeAndre to are very, very high. I'm not saying he can't live up to them, but I think we've had those standards set from day one. And it's been it's been tough in that area because so many fans are like, Team DA, I think he's doing great. We need to celebrate what he does. And then other fans are like, yeah, but. And I think there's fairness to both sides, to be honest just, with you. I just want consistency. On a good yeah. game, give him credit. On a bad game, give him crap. Like that's That should be the baseline that we we have for anybody, right? Is honesty about it. Right. When a guy has a bad game, don't be afraid to say it. When a guy has a good game, don't be afraid to give him some flowers. Right. That that's just the baseline that should be be there. And, you know, I to be fair, I sat here uh, and I ranted about D.A. not getting touches when he was performing well offensively. But Mikhail Bridges was in the same boat tonight. Five of seven from the field, 11 points. Why does that man only have seven shots in a game? especially when we've seen him offensive lately, offensively lately prove that he can score and do a great job on the offensive end as well. And when you have a bench that's only scored 11 points, you're going to find ways to get him the ball. You Maybe you stagger him with the bench unit, try to get him the ball and make him uh, an offensive focus. Whatever you need to do to try to get this, that there, there were points where the offense was completely anemic, and it's just it, – it's – it seems very odd to me that you're not getting these two guys the touches that they need. Real quick, Connor said, I thought this was a safe space to rant. It absolutely is a safe space <laughs> to rant. My my main point was do not at players on social media. That's the biggest thing. That's it. That's it. Just, just, just <laughs> you know what? Remember, just to be honest about things, let's not get, you know, to uh you can be critical you can be critical but you also have to give flowers when flowers are due yes and both sides yeah i get it i get exactly it's all that's all my point was easy in the chat has brought this up a couple times and says mikhail bridges never gets any criticism and he in his opinion thinks he's overpaid um tory craig is a great defender too are we going to pay him 80 million dollars um, he was talking about, you know, just kind of the consistency with Mikel Bridges offensively. One night he'll have 20 points. The next night he'll have five. How do you kind of feel about this one, Espo? I do think that Mikel has made strides offensively. Prior to Friday's game, he was on a 12-game streak of 10 or more points um, in each game. So I think he has made strides there. I do think that at points in time, though, you can say there is inconsistency offensively from Mikel. But... To your point, Espo, what you were just saying, like, why did Mikel only have seven shots tonight? Yeah. Look, you have to I, – I wouldn't say that – that can't, or excuse me, Mikhail is overpaid, right? Because when we've talked about it on the show, uh, the defense is, is the Khloe Kardashian of the group, right? It's, it's not the attractive thing that gets all the attention out of the group, but it deserves its own praise in its own right. And – uh, and and I don't mean that as not, I saw the face, Lindsay. I don't mean that. I'm just saying it doesn't get as much attention as everything else, right? And it it deserves to. Like the the defense deserves to to get attention, and some guys get paid because of that. And we understand that part of what McHale got paid for is his offensive potential as well. He's still young. He hasn't reached it. I agree. He takes less flack than DeAndre Ayton, but he also got 90 million where DeAndre Ayton wants the max and was a former number one pick. So these are, these are very different things. Can you say Cam is a better offensive player than McHale or has more potential offensively? Yes. And we've said that before that, that Cam ceiling offensively is much higher than McHale's, but Cam ceiling defensively is much lower than McHale's. So, they both probably deserve about the same amount of money if you're paying partially on potential 
based on uh, on one side of the ball. It's tough, right? I mean, you know, okay, eighty mil, eighty million instead of ninety million. We're splitting hairs there when you're looking over over four years, right? Uh, and really, you need to pay all these guys if you believe in it, and and screw the cap. I don't care uh, about that. If you believe that this is the core, this is the team that's going to win, pay them all market value. And some argue McHale got below market value, especially the way he started this year. So, you know, I don't think McHale is overpaid. What he does on this team uh, is, is great. And you know what, if Deandre Ayton had said, yeah, I'll take four years, 90 million, they would have rushed him the check right away too. It's the fact that McHale wasn't asking for the max. That's, that's the, that's the reason he got paid before DA. It's that simple. And how many times do you hear players around the league or former players praise Mikel Bridges and what he does for this team? And they always point back to, yes, you have to have one, maybe two superstars on your team, like Chris Paul, Devin Booker. But you don't win without guys like Mikel Bridges also on your team. Like he is, he may not be the most consistent offensively right now but he is extremely valuable to this team and just as an important piece as the other ones. So yeah, we could potentially maybe nitpick a little bit more on Mikel and make a little bit of the standards a little higher, just as more of an encouragement to reach those type of goals. But I still think Mikel is extremely valuable to this team. Easy's also saying, uh, you know, they're talking about Tory Craig. Hello says, Tory Craig is as good as McHale uh, is on defense. Look, in short spurts, the difference is McHale can go out there and play 40 minutes in a night, plays immensely consistent defense. If you played Tory Craig 40 minutes in a night, you're not going to think that he's a, as good of a defensive player as he looks when he plays four or five minute spurts. Like that's that's the thing here. And you're not going to see the 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 cutting and the offensive plays that you see from McHale throughout a game when he's playing 35, 40 minutes. That's that's the thing. I, I, if you look at it in short spurts, sure you could say, oh well, they're on a similar footing, but that, that that's a weak argument. Sorry, guys, that's just a weak argument to me. It's it's not it's it's not the truth there. All right, we are going to move on because it is time to name our draft king, king of the game. And this one might be a little controversial. So weigh in and who you think it should be. But we decided to give it to Cam Johnson tonight. He finished with 23 points, um, just shy of a career high. He had five assists and four rebounds, seven seven of 11 from the field. Cam Johnson is our draft king, king of the game, because... That's what we decided to do. <laughs> I mean, he was, I'd argue, is the second most efficient non-point guard point guard tonight, too. I mean, Aaron Holiday struggled. Book, obviously, ha- had a good night. But Cam was finding McHale on beautiful cuts. He had a lot of great mm-hmm. passes. He was doing the little things very well, was hitting those threes. I I get it. Evan Booker had 37-7. and seven. Gerald... Gerald made that very clear that that it was his vote vote tonight. But at some point, Devin Booker does Devin Booker things, right? Cam Johnson had a game where if he did not play that way, they're not even in this. This is a blowout loss like it was uh, the other night. So I'm giving it I'm giving it to Cam and and you can argue with it. But I think uh, I think it's the right call and great crown placement, Shane. I'm not going to rip on you. That was pretty today. Yes, great, great crown placement. Also, I like to mix up the the king of the game a little bit. If they're, you know, especially on a loss, like I feel like you can't fully go like full on king of the game in a loss because you didn't win. But if there are games where it's close and two players played pretty well, and that one of those players is Devin Booker or Chris Paul, I tend to lean to giving it to the other player because. Chris Paul and Devin Booker are 99% of the time. Our drafting of the game is going to be one of the two of them. So, and Book, Book did know, miss two key free bit. throws. So <laughs> Which is if we're going to nitpick. <laughs> that was surprising. All right, we're going to take a quick break because I got to tell you about the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook. So when Covington and Masvidal step into the octagon this Saturday at UFC 
272 DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC, has a knockout offer for new customers. So bet just $1 on the main event and get $100 in free bets no matter what. First round knockout, you get paid. Majority draw, you get paid. No matter what, you're going to get $100 in free bets. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use promo code PHNX. Throw down just $1 on the UFC 272 main event and get $100 in free bets no matter what happens in the fight. DraftKings, it's safe, it's secure, it's reliable, and best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So once one more time, don't forget to use that code PHNX this Saturday at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. That's 21 and older only, Arizona only, gambling problem, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. New customers only, minimum $5 deposit, eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. All right, Espo, I do have one thing that I want to mention from the comments. I had a couple people, Josh and Brian, I think, were asking what this little round thing behind <laughs> me in my video is here. It's an 8-track player. It's super vintage. It looks like an astronaut helmet or something of that sort, and I love it. That's, why that's is, it. Why does that get to get, be called vintage, right? And then I just get called old when I, when I make <laughs> references. Can I just be vintage on this show? Like sure. the next time Saul tries to give me shit, like he did in the chat when I said Tiger Beat. <laughs> can can I just can I just be called vintage for that, please? I mean, yes, that's fine. I'll work on just calling you vintage from now on. But sometimes I don't I just ignore some of the things you say because I genuinely don't know what it means. Like I don't know what a tiger beat is. It was a magazine for teeny boppers back in the 90s. Okay. That I have no idea. <laughs> Damn so it. sometimes when you say things, I'm just like, that must What's be something that I website? just don't know anything like, about. Like I, I would I could have said it was like dirty Scottsdale, but nobody's gonna get that reference either. And I know nobody's gonna get that one. Oh, sorry. God. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry I'm not hip anymore. I was down in Tucson for the Roadrunners game with our coyotes crew last night, and we went to the U of A campus, which is where I went to school. And I both felt so damn nostalgic and realized how freaking old I actually am while I was down there. So I apologize to all of you. I will study up on uh, on things that are cool. Right? It's fine, Aspo. Just stick just stick with it. It's right. your thing. It's it okay. Cool, Aspo, not obsolete. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks. Uh, Phoenix Suns 22. Uh, yeah, take the Mavs money line tonight. Why the hell not? So... I don't know. Yeah, it's on you. I'm really bad at my gambles. So I've lost a lot recently. So clearly I am not yeah. qualified sort of to be giving any sort of advice on I, that. I took uh I took uh Bogdanovich and uh Booker to both have 25 tonight and lost that one. By the way, hello says to be vintage, you have to be well kept. <laughs> I get oh that. man, they're just you giving guys, you lots of grief. You guys are just going to bully me off the internet. I'm just going <laughs> to sit back and I'm going to manage everything and just no longer be on shows. And then you'll all feel sad because you'll be stuck with Saul without me here to, here to keep him check. Yeah, so. they'll they'll end up missing you. They'll regret it instantly. <laughs> Anything else from tonight's game, Espo, that you kind of want to touch on? No, but I do have something I want to bring up. Okay. All right. Uh, Shane, bring up that tweet, by the way. Uh, and we don't have to read it. But basically, Shams is now in Foot Locker commercials. Sham Sharania, the NBA beat reporter, right, is in, 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 I don't know why, but this came up on my timeline, a Foot Locker tweet promoting something called Full Court at Foot Locker with Sham Sharania as, as the model. And, Lindsay, I wanted to ask you, if you had a signature shoe, as a member of the media, what would it be and what would it be called? God, that's a that's a tough question to put me on the spot with. Um, I would want to partner. I think I would want to partner with Converse. Good call. Because don't get me wrong. I wear a lot of Nikes and I love them. But I feel like there's something about Converse, like it's nostalgic, it's classic, like it's kind of like the Air Force One where every generation has had their run. You know what I mean? Like 
Converse will never not be in style, in my opinion. I don't I don't think that we will ever see a time again where people are like, ew, you're wearing Converse. They will always be cool. Um, I think they put out some pretty cool shoes, like with Kelly Oubre Jr. I like that. As far as what they would be called, that's so hard. I have no idea, to be honest with you. I do, I will say, the only thing I would ask is for whatever they're called to have an X in it, like the letter X, because... I know this is weird, but it's one of my favorite letters just because it's so underrated and underused. So I always feel like words that have a letter X in it are kind of fun. So I think they have to the be thing. called the R.I.P. X, right? <laughs> there you go. R.I.P. X. <laughs> Shane says sweet baby X angels. I, that's also good. I just I find it interesting that you chose Converse for those reasons. Because you basically described the way I am on this show. And, and that, so you you want the Espo of shoes. I get it. Okay. Good to know. Uh, so your things are just so obscure. That's the problem is that like if everyone knew about the things that you were sharing, we'd probably be into it. Yeah. But they're so obscure then that I feel like the masses don't know it. Look, you should go look them up so you can be cool like me. That's it. You know, <laughs> okay. like I'm. I, I just have this uh, this stuff. Like, I would be L.A. Knights, and they'd be full of hot air Espos, right? And they mm-hmm. that would be what they are. And half <laughs> of you are like, I have no clue what L.A. Knights are. Well, go look them up. They were shoes in the 90s, and they were pretty cool. Okay. What do you, how do you feel overall about this, like, collab between Shams and Foot Locker? I'm, I'm here for it. I kind of like it. I am, too. Why, why, if, if a company wants to partner with a media member why shouldn't they be able to i like i heard people oh why is shams got because shams is good at what he does he has millions of followers and of course a business is going to want to collab with him so why the hell not he's cool people like him i mean i have no problem with them getting in on it and i think too like if you worked your way to become an insider like shams or woge to where you were able to um, have that large amount of following, you should be able to capitalize on capitalize on it as well. well you know Sam's what I mean? Like you see players really cool. and whatnot constantly having brand deals and collabs. Like why not for media members who've been able to bring it up in that way? So I, I kind of like it. It's unique. But, it's different. And and Shams has a really cool story. I have no problem with it, which is I'm saying if you want to sponsor the Espo, you can come get a piece of it. Anybody, I'm willing to, I don't care what it is. I'll read it. I'll wear it. I'll, I'll whatever. As long as there's a little cashola involved in it, I'll do it is what I'm saying. So. Oh, well, my, my light just went out. It died. So I think that's time to say goodbye. All right. I, I think that's our cue. That's the cue. All right. Well, <laughs> we will. All right. Well, thank you all for tuning in. We appreciate your support as always. Hopefully, uh, the next time the Suns play on Wednesday, they'll be able to turn things back around. Just a quick schedule update for you guys. We're going to take tomorrow off, and then we will be live on Tuesday at 2 p.m. right here on our YouTube channel. So put it in your calendar now. Come hang out with us. Again, that's Tuesday at 2 p.m. Until then, be sure to check out gophnx.com. Become a member if you have not already. You can get your first month for 50 cents or you can get a free T-shirt from our locker room, whichever um, one you decide to choose. And uh, be sure to hang out with us on social media. You can follow the show at PHNX underscore sons. You can follow me at Lindsay Smith AZ. You can follow Gerald at Gerald Borgay. And of course, you can follow Espo at Espo. Espo, take us home. Just because somebody doesn't like the way you vibe doesn't mean that you should stop doing it. Oh, hoy, hoy.